Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics. You can find me most active on Instagram at jakeparker.fit if you want to connect or just see what I'm up to. Hi guys, this is Jake coming at you with another slightly delayed episode of the podcast compared to normal. So I apologize for that. Been a couple things that have come up, but my intention is always to have the podcast come out at five o'clock AM central time on Mondays and on Saturdays. So that will be the intention as much as I can make it so going forward in the future. Today's episode is another random show. I did one of these about maybe a month or so ago, and it got some positive response. And I always have more random little things to talk about. And so I thought that this would be another good opportunity having this random show, being able to riff on a few different things that have been on my mind or that I think are important to try to educate you guys about. So the first thing on this list is single tasking. Now, I wanted to mention this because so often I will run into the notion that or run into people that want to emphasize multitasking. Everyone wants to think that multitasking is the end-all be-all and the way to get things done. And I really disagree. I think it's about single tasking. And that may sound almost silly if you've never really emphasized this before, but there's so much power in just focusing on one single thing and getting it done to completion. And I partly say this just because it's something I really need to work on and something I wish that I emphasized um, more often. And it's hard because our the way your brain works, and especially if you are someone who has kind of scattered focus most of the time and finds it hard to focus on one thing, single tasking is not necessarily the most intrinsic, intuitive sort of thing. It's not necessarily in our nature, but I promise you're going to feel so much more productive. I always feel so much more productive when I focus on getting one thing done to completion before I move on to the next task. So just this weekend I was completing my weekend to-do list and this seems like one of the areas where this single tasking emphasis comes up the most. If I do one thing at a time, I cook my food and then I do my laundry and then I clean my place and all that sort of stuff, it goes a lot more smoothly than if I try to cook food, do laundry, um, clean and you know do other stuff all at the same time. It makes it a lot more complicated and I'm a lot less likely to get things done and on top of that, just have a sense of clarity and calmness throughout doing my tasks. So I definitely noticed the difference there. And a big piece of advice would just be to make lists, make checklists. I make checklists all the time. Uh, I, I'm constantly making lists of things that I want to get done in a day so I know where my focus is. And even having a list that doesn't get done to completion, obviously, if that's something that's happening all the time, then that's something that you should address. And maybe you're time prioritization skills are not where they should be. But really, if you make a list, it's it's more so just a way to focus your energy and think about where you want to spend your time so that you don't just find your 
frittering your time away with useless tasks. You're sticking to things that are on the list. And then in addition to that, you can, as, as I know, as I've found in many different self-help books and stuff like that, the importance of a deadline can never be understated. So saying that I want to get this done by this time, or I have one hour to do this or two hours to do this, something like that, having a deadline to your tasks will be even more beneficial than just writing them down. But writing them down is a really great first step. So this really applies to anything you want to get better at. I talked about David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, and he was on my podcast. And so he basically talks about the fact that work and projects can extend to anything that you want to improve in your life. So it's not necessarily the work you do entrepreneurially or the work that you do for your job or, you know, it can be anything from improving relationship to tidying up your house to improving your health, a work in project, uh, sorry, a work or a project can extend to so many different facets of our lives. And single tasking is really going to help you to get these things done, get them done effectively, even when it comes to the things like eating healthy and working out. If you try to implement uh, a better diet and a better workout program, working out five days a week, you know, doing a bunch of other things that you think are going to help optimize your health, you're a lot less likely to stick to a super strict and rigid plan right away if you're coming from not exercising or not exercising frequently. And if you step things up and focus on one single area at a time, like say I want to include a veggie in two meals a day, or I want to eat protein two meal, two times a day, just something small, uh, say like your focus is on nutrition like it is here, that's going to be so much more empowering to you than this huge ambitious goal that maybe you can stick to for a few days, but eventually you find that you're probably going to be demotivated by the complexity. So it really just extends to all areas of life and not just things that you want to be productive on in the short term. The second topic here is optimizing your environment. So this is something I think about a lot in the context of I am lucky enough to live at my own apartment now and I do a lot of pretty unique things as far as organizing my place, optimizing my environment, so that the decisions to eat healthy, to read books, to not engage in too much media, TV, stuff like that are made easy because we know that willpower is finite and you can only say no to things so many times before giving in or before feeling like your willpower is really impacted and beaten down so that it makes it harder to make good decisions in the rest of your life. And I think that this can't be understated. There's so many ways in which we have to use our willpower to maybe say no to a friend, asking you to do something that's not in your best interest, go out drinking when you had planned on waking up and reading or taking a course or exercising or cooking your meals the next morning or saying no to another episode of Netflix when it's so easy. Um, the way Netflix just asks, do you want to watch the next episode? Well, sure. You know, I'm already here. I'm, I'm already sitting on the couch. What's one more? And that will lead to a deprioritization of other things in your life. So I think it's really important to make it easy to say yes to the difficult things that you know are going to help you grow. For me, it starts off with food. It starts off in the kitchen. So I don't ever keep 
sweets or desserts around the house in normal circumstances. Occasionally, I might get something like as a gift or something like that, and I will eat that usually, you know, at my apartment. But the caveat to that is number one, I'll always try to like share it with friends. You know, if I'm having a get together with friends or something like that, share it with somebody else because number one, it's just going to help me to not just pig out on it myself. And number two, it's always nice to share things, you know, a nice treat that someone gave you and, you know, a party favor, so to speak. But beyond that, I never buy sweets or treats to keep in my house and to eat in my house. And I would love to eat treats every night. And the one of the things I've really changed my mind on is the if it fits your macros, flexible dieting sort of approach where, yeah, you can fit in cookies, cakes, desserts, ice creams. Again, that's what I go to because that's kind of my weakness, but it could be whatever it is for you if you really like to binge on chips or something else of that nature, maybe more the savory thing, whatever it is that's your sort of weakness of a really calorie dense, poor nutrient food that you like to pig out on, you could place here. But I don't ever keep that stuff at my place because I know how easy it would be for me to just go ahead and pig out on it and really go overboard. And even so, even if I really could find that I limit myself every day and, you know, fit it into my macros or whatever, it would definitely still be a drain on my willpower to not eat more. And I think that it's eating unhealthy foods. And again, I don't always like to say the word unhealthy because I think that kind of has a negative connotation in and of itself. I usually go for more or less nutritious, more or less calorie dense, but eating these really high calorie, highly palatable foods that are easy to overeat. Again, speaking of like sweets in my case, just really, it, it takes away your willpower. And on top of that, you really, you want to indulge in this stuff when you really feel like it would be beneficial for you. You really feel like it would be something that you want, that you desire. You've been thinking about wanting to have it for a while. That's when I'll indulge. And then on top of that, I will always, you know, have to go get it from the ice cream place or the cupcake place or whatever it is. And I'll do that maybe once every week, maybe once every couple of weeks and not have a problem with it. Because if you make these things more few and far in between, they're going to have a lot less impact on your body composition, on your health, on any sort of nutrition and fitness goals that you have, the less that you indulge and the more that you make it an event, something that's special, something that's a treat, but something that is really savored. I think that that is really important. You just don't want to eat things mindlessly in your house that, I mean, yeah, they taste good, but you start to lose that pleasure even too when you indulge day after day after day. And so that's the focus for me as far as unhealthy things. As far as nutrient-rich foods that are going to benefit me, like lean proteins, veggies, fruits, things like that, I like to keep these things as accessible as possible. And that's another thing about really optimizing my environment. I want to have, for example, fruits and vegetables visible where I can see them. So if it's something like bananas or apples, keeping them out on my counter, because we know that when things are out of sight, they're out of mind. So if I kept things 
like fruits and vegetables away in cupboards that I don't open often, it's a lot more likely that I'm going to let them go stale or go rotten and not eat them. I feel like it's really important for me to see this stuff just because, you know, eating the healthy vegetable or fruit isn't always the intuitive choice, but you can make it more possible, again, playing to your willpower to eat these things if you put them where you can see them. I, as maybe you can see if you look at my Instagram stories, like to cook food in advance, healthy food, meats, veggies, stuff like that, and pair them so that they're just sitting in my fridge ready to eat. And that makes it way, way easier to eat things that are nutritious as opposed to if they're not cooked and you have to go through the process of cooking them. I think that that's one of the big reasons why I still meal prep or food prep. It's kind of a stigmatized thing almost where it's a lot of times taken too overboard in the whole food prepping, meal prepping thing. But I think it's extremely beneficial to prep just even five or six meals that you can have for maybe lunches or dinners throughout the week, no matter what your schedule is like, because it's going to make you so much less likely to just eat some fast food or just opt for something that's less than optimal for your goals to eat, you know, after your workout or something like that. It's super important to use the things that you buy. Again, this is something along the lines of just being mindful of your usage, mindful of your environmental impact um, footprint, and just being frugal and sticking to your budget as well. Is just, I, I like to go to the store, buy things, and use them and not have a huge backlog of stuff that goes expired or goes months without getting used. I'm always using the stuff I get from the store and then replenishing. And that's less of a health and fitness emphasis and more just a peace of mind slash, like I said, positive thing for the environment and just for, for your budget as well. So another area where I try to optimize as far as my apartment, the space where I live, is keeping books very accessible. I have a couple books always laid throughout my apartment that I'm currently reading. One's always next to my bed on my nightstand so that I can read that before I go into bed. And then another one just laying somewhere so that if I do have a pocket of downtime or if I'm not sure what to do, it's easy to just, you know, a turn of the head, I look at that book. Okay, I can, I can read some pages out of this book. Um, like I mentioned recently in my newsletter, I'm reading The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene and Total Recall, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography. And it's really fun to get that joy for reading and get that habit of reading built, really building up that momentum because it becomes so much easier over time. I feel like a few years ago, back when I decided to pick up the habit of reading and start reading under my own volition again, I, it was super hard. It was like, it was really hard to ever get through even just a few pages. And I just felt like slow. I felt dumb. But after reading now for a few years and trying to make it a consistent daily habit, it flows so much easier. And I attribute a lot of that to just making it accessible. Another way I make it accessible is to read on my Kindle because you can kind of do that wherever. Whereas sometimes there's inhibits to reading a paperback book, whether it's 
the way you're laying, sitting, or if you want the lights off. So a Kindle is another really good way to optimize your reading and therefore your environment. And so the other form of entertainment for me is to watch TV occasionally. And for me, this actually always takes the form of watching movies almost always. Every once in a while, I might watch a mini series or some sort of documentary, but usually I just like to watch movies. And that's because I enjoy shows and I've watched shows in the past, but I don't like how hooked into them I get and how much of a draw I feel to watch more. And so that's why I choose to just watch movies. And the way that I do this is either on Netflix or I actually do have a collection of DVDs, which is kind of my own little eclectic thing. I sort of enjoy like the uh, nostalgia of putting in a DVD, but I will watch DVDs or watch Netflix. And the way that I optimize to not take it too overboard and be just binging on too much Netflix at a time or, you know, watching too many movies in a row or doing it too often throughout a week is every time I want to watch something, I have to take my TV out of the closet and put it up. So I have to go through that whole process. So it really makes me think, okay, do I really want to watch a movie right now? Is there somewhere I could better spend my time? And I'm not the type of person where I think that every single second of your day should be focused on growth, focused on learning and doing and, you know, achieving or anything like that. But I don't think that you should so that's, I, I guess just saying, like, I think it's fine to watch something you enjoy a couple times a week or maybe more or less for you, but don't make it a distraction and make it something that's intentional, making sure that it's something that you want to do. And you're not just going to plug in to zone out from the world for a little bit, make sure it's something that you're going to actually enjoy. And so going through that process of having to get my TV out and set it up makes me really think, okay, is this something I'm really going to enjoy? Is this something I'm being intentional about right now? The third point here is about becoming more confident. And this is something I've thought a lot about over the past couple of years, really feeling that I've grown a lot in confidence myself, largely attributed to doing this podcast and talking to a lot of inspiring individuals, and also just taking control of my physical fitness over the past few years and taking it to the next level and really feeling good about my body. I remember there was a point as a teenager or even into my 20s when I didn't even feel confident enough to wear a tank top to the gym just because I was so insecure about my body. I did. I felt small. I felt like I was never big enough. I was never strong enough. And there's definitely still shadows of that sort of feeling in my life. And I don't think it's always negative because part of that is just what keeps you striving towards more and striving towards bigger goals with your physique, with your fitness, with your, you know, physical strength. But I think when you limit yourself and you limit what you think you can do and you limit what you try to do that's where your confidence takes a hit and where you struggle and for me the biggest ways in which I've gained confidence is just doing things doing hard things that I don't feel like I'm ready for doing silly things you know being a little bit more eccentric at the gym kind of leaning into that the things that make you unique the things about yourself that are weird and different following your interests it's 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 the first and foremost to kind of go down the line here, you need to struggle. You need to seek discomfort. I think that a lot of times we like to take the path of least resistance. We like to do the easiest thing because intrinsically that's what's going to bring us the most pleasure in the moment. But we have to realize that pleasure is not necessarily what we're looking for day to day, immediate pleasure. We want to be focused on 
long-term gratification over the short-term gratification that is so rampant, especially in a life chock full of technology and porn and sugary, delicious, fatty foods, all that sort of stuff is short-term gratification that's going to bring you pleasure, but what's going to bring you life satisfaction and overall happiness in the long term is focusing on long-term gratification, focusing on things like your health, building up your mind and seeking strong relationships with friends and family. So we need to struggle in all the things that we do. We need to seek discomfort. I look for this first and foremost in the gym because that's what makes the most sense to me. But I've done a lot of other things that have pushed me in this way, such as joining new groups. I'm a big fan of Meetup, which is just a place where you can go and find groups of people that you're interested in. Maybe it's like a book club or a club on some topic that interests you. There's a, a ton of different things, but that's something I've had good luck with. I've done Toastmasters. That's forced me out of my comfort zone. And it's really helped me to make new connections and find out how to communicate better. There's been other things in my life. I've done stand-up that has really, really pushed me out of my comfort zone. That was the hardest thing to do at first, but that I kind of grew into. I think that there's an interesting anecdote that I heard from Tony Robbins at some point. And he says that something along the lines of if you're practicing to hit a target that's 100 yards away, you don't start shooting at the target that's 100 yards away until you can shoot it. You start by hitting a target that's 10 yards away and then 20 yards away and then 30, 40, 50, you know, on and on. And what this speaks to is you have to have these small goals and build up to bigger goals. So the best example is like in Toastmasters, they have you start out with an icebreaker speech and then you have speeches that gradually build in difficulty and, you know, what's asked of you it's really important not to just throw yourself into the deep end. So just like you can't go and squat 300 pounds tomorrow, if you haven't been working out, if you haven't been squatting, if you work on that goal for a year or a number of years and build up to it and increase by five pounds here and five pounds there, then eventually you can work up to that big goal. So thinking about this target practice anecdote where you want to slowly increase the difficulty that's needed for you to reach certain goals is really going to help you to build your confidence. And honestly, eventually you're going to just be so confident and be like, where did all this come from? I feel like I haven't done anything huge and you haven't done anything huge or groundbreaking, but you've just done the little things day after day and continue to be persistent. And that's really what is going to carry you towards a more confident and better overall version of yourself. Um, a few other smaller things here that I think of as far as becoming more confident Definitely set goals. You want to set goals and have a vision and put your goals somewhere where you can see them every day. I choose the mirror in my closet because I look in it every day when I'm getting ready to head out or, you know, put on clothes. So I see those goals every day and I make it a point to say them to myself and acknowledge them to myself. You want to do things alone. I think so often we get caught up in having to have a friend or a family member. And a lot of times that's empowering, but sometimes you just have to go out and do things alone because that's going to help you get to know yourself better. Same with taking on more responsibility and ownership, whether that be maybe your parents help you out with paying for some bills, which is nice. But if you really want to become more confident, you have to take on more responsibility for yourself. So maybe you take on those bills because you either 
are making more money or a lot of times maybe you just want to figure out how to make more money and sometimes that necessity like i said earlier about deadlines if you have that necessity factor that's going to help you to manifest more money into your life by way of asking for a raise at work or finding some side hustle you know whatever it is if you have responsibility if you have ownership you're going to know yourself better you're going to find out more things about yourself don't, don't be afraid don't be afraid to fail. It's almost cliche to say at this point, but the most successful people fail often. So don't worry about failing. Just go after stuff and try hard and you're going to know yourself better and you're going to love yourself more because of it. If you're someone who overthinks something valuable for me is to think, what are the facts here? This was actually something that I was told when I was taking counseling, I would go off and on, off and off on these things that I think in my head, these stories that I'd create. And my counselor would just ask me, are these facts? Are these things that are actually true? And knowing the answer, he would know the answer. I would just kind of sit there and be like, well, I guess, I guess, no, they're not. And so I think that trying to figure out what sort of things that are bothering you are really facts and what are just things that you made up in your head. Oh, you know, is somebody going to think I'm silly because I go and I start trying to work out, but I'm in bad shape. No, nobody's thinking about that. The thing about anything like that, especially with the gym, is people are so worried about what they're doing. They're not worried about what you're doing. So think about your own frame of mind. Oh, I'm so worried. I'm so nervous. I'm thinking about myself. That's how other people are too. No one's just seeking out you know, ways to downplay you or ways that you're going wrong. And so anything you want to do, like I think it's a big, big thing for people to get up and speak and express themselves. That's why I like Toastmasters so much. But all that kind of stuff, you have to realize that no one is really that worried about what you're doing. If you're giving a speech, that next person is worried about their own speech giving ability, or they're worried about something that they thought of earlier at lunch, or a fight they had with a partner or a coworker. People are not as worried about you as they think. And this can kind of lead to like a negative, um, like harmful, um, like nihilistic view of the world but it can also lead to someone feeling empowering. And I think that that's how you should take it. The other two biggest things, realizing something I've said before, that action comes before motivation. You act yourself into motivation, not the other way around, like most people would think. You wanna see yourself doing hard things. If you jump into action and do things that you aren't sure that you have the capacity to do, and then see yourself attaining them, that's how you're gonna build confidence. So you want to build momentum in your life, by acting yourself into motivation. You're not always going to feel motivated. You have to go, again, example of, of physical fitness and exercise. You have to go to the gym when you don't want to and push yourself. And often those are the workouts that you come away feeling the best after. Last thing here, you're going to feel more confident if you know and are aware of your values because that's going to help you to know where to focus your time. And if there's something you're feeling resistance towards doing, you can go, okay, I, I know I don't want to do this. I know I feel like it might suck, but if it's serving my values, then I can do that. Like for me, being truthful, grateful, persistent, learning, being generous, these are all my values. And so they can, as an introverted person, push me to be more extroverted and more outgoing when I need to be, if it serves my values, if it serves that higher purpose. Knowing what your values are can help you to push towards new limits, reach your goals, set new goals, and in turn, of course, be more confident. There's a couple quotes that I really like here that relate to this. Arnold Schwarzenegger said that little victories add up and that is what ultimately gives you confidence. So just speaking to that, again, that target practice antidote, small victories added up over time 
It's not like anyone got from, I mean, it can seem like someone got from point A to point B, you know, say some famous person or someone that's like a fitness influencer or something like that. Someone who's a recognizable figure, like they got from point A to point B, you know, being scared and timid to being this big boisterous person quickly and rapidly. But really it's all about these little victories. That's why it's so important to have daily habits and things that you're working on on a day-to-day basis. Naval said, self-esteem, it's just the relationship you have with yourself. And then I really like this one by Steve Jobs. It kind of speaks to the fact that there's no reason to get worked up or nervous about things because no one really knows anything. He says that everything around you that you call life was made up by people no smarter than you. So don't get too caught up in that nervousness, that anxiety of, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Because really what it comes down to is no one knows what's going on. Just figure it out for yourself. Make it up as you go. That is definitely, as I study the highly successful people in the world, the people that I look up to, the overlying theme and thing that I see on the most regular basis. The last thing I wanted to mention here in this random show, we went pretty deep into the esoteric And so I wanted to have something that's a little more actionable in terms of your fitness, and that is having a healthy body composition. So what is body composition? Essentially, it is the amount of muscle versus the amount of fat you have in your body. So I talk about my goals sometimes, and being an advanced weightlifter, it's hard to really gain that much muscle mass. But what I do try to look for is gaining about three pounds of muscle mass is my goal over the course of this year. Um, But beyond that, I think that body composition for the average person that is hopefully granted doing some form of resistance or strength training so that part of that muscle is going to be there. And again, something I want to reiterate, if you've never heard me say this, is that strength training and resistance training is a lot more powerful than just doing cardio because doing strength or resistance training, you're going to burn the calories that you're going to burn through cardio And in addition, you're also going to burn calories after the fact because you're going to burn, sorry, you're going to build muscle. And so that muscle is in turn going to require more calories overall. So some of the calories you're eating are going to be devoted to building that muscle, maintaining that muscle, whereas cardio is just an X's and O's game. It's just a calories in versus calories out. And you can only play that for so long until it becomes unsustainable. Uh, But where I was going here, the thing I most wanted to mention was, I think as long as you're doing some sort of training that's going to build your muscles don't worry too much unless you really have specific goals or you want to make it a focus about how much poundage of muscle you're gaining and something that we can all focus on is just our body fat percentage so for me i think that about 10 to 15 percent body fat is most optimal for men and you can add about 10 to that for women just because women carry more internal body fat like as far as in their organs and they have to have more body fat for childbearing. So they just have a higher set point. So men, the best range, in my opinion, is about 10 to 15%. So women, therefore, about 20 to 25. And the reason for that is this is a place where you're not too low body fat. Like once you get into the 8 7%, which is close to the lowest you can get naturally, that is going to really impair your ability to gain muscle and gain strength and just feel good. Like when I was down close to 10% body fat, I really didn't feel good most of the time. I felt lethargic and always hungry, but above that 10% threshold, and it varies a little bit individual by individual. So someone might be able to chill at like 10% body fat or a little bit lower and feel fine. Whereas maybe my set point 
where I feel that same level is like 12 to 13. So it's different for everybody. But if you're staying around that range, and specifically I'm going to speak to the male body fat percentage here, but women take all this and just think about that range that I, that I, that I, that I mentioned as far as women goes. But 10 to 15%, you're going to be lean enough where you are not going to look too fat. If that's your concern, you're going to be able to put on muscle. They say that there's a partitioning ratio that essentially once you get above about 16, 17% body fat, the amount of fat you gain when you gain weight compared to muscle is going to be like almost a five to one ratio. So you're going to gain way more fat than muscle um, when you're putting on when you're putting on weight uh, past this body body fat percentage at the top of this range being like 15%. And so if you're a little bit leaner in that 10 to 15 range, it's a lot more likely that you're going to gain muscle when you gain weight, obviously with the caveat that your strength training, resistance training, but that's a really good range to be in to optimize your hormone levels, to optimize your sleep, to optimize anything that is like a, a benefit that you see from exercise and eating healthy that is not necessarily like always talked about at the forefront, libido, AKA your sex drive, um, things like thinking clearly, having good cognition, brain health, that's all going to be optimized in that 10 to 15% reasonably lean and very aesthetic, but still functional. And the cool thing about it is you can be a lot more flexible with your diet. So like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, going out and eating treats is my thing and chilling out at this for me it tends to be like 12 to 13 percent is a good set point where i can gain some muscle but still stay pretty lean and not have too high percentage of body fat and i can eat ice cream i can eat cookies and cake once or twice a week or even more if it's a unique week in some way and not have to worry about quote-unquote getting fat and i know that this is kind of might come as a shock to some people as it would have to me at some point, but your body is really so much more malleable than you want to give it credit for. So as long as you are following the 80, 20 principle in all areas of your life, another thing I've talked about, uh, largely it always has to do with diet. So you're eating 80% nutrient dense foods and 20% not nutrient dense foods, maybe more calorie dense foods, but, um, doing that 80, 20 and focusing on, doing the things that you know are most optimal for your health 80% of the time. And then the other 20% being more flexible and being able to sort of let things go. You're going to have just a fine time staying in this 10 to 15% body fat range based on what your genetic um, predisposition is. Again, some individuals, we knew them in high school. They always had a six pack no matter what versus people that have always kind of been on the chunkier side and be careful to use it as an excuse one way or the other. But yeah, we do have a different genetic set point to some extent. But as far as having a healthy body composition, focus on increasing your strength and muscle. That I wouldn't worry so much about tangibly. But you want to be, for the reasons I stated, in about the 10 to 15% body fat range. So if you need to lose a little bit of body fat to get to that range, if you know you're not there right now. And again, there's many ways that you can go about calculating this. Just go ahead and Google something. Um, and the important thing is to just stay consistent with your, with your measurement, because even if it's not the most accurate measurement, it's still going to be accurate relative to you. But anyway, going about losing this body fat, just staying in a calorie deficit for a number of weeks or months and making sure you are burning more calories than you're taking in. 
and getting down to that lower body fat percentage and figuring out what exactly it takes for you to stay there. Again, it's really going to be easier than it seems and easier than you think. Just continuing to focus on building healthy habits and developing this lifestyle of a healthy person. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say as far as this episode. I have fun with these random shows. I hope that you got at least a tidbit of useful information. Please let me know if you have any questions about anything I mentioned. I know I can kind of rant sometimes and be a little eccentric with the things that I say and the different areas that I go. It's not always completely planned, but I, I do like it that way. But I really enjoy having a connection with people and being able to further explain something that might not have been completely clear. So you can always DM me on Instagram. Again, as you heard, it's at jakeparker.fit. And my email is very manageable. So you will hear back from me if you email me at jrparker95 at gmail.com. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.